Hello, I'm Joshua Groisberg, a history enthusiast. And I'm Jacob Friedman, founder of People's Big News. And this is Gen Zero's Talk Politics. This is where two members of the next generation of American adults talk about what's going on in the world. Since the whole world is on fire, we might as well take a crack at delivering some insightful analysis and maybe some comedy along the way. We want to talk about the recent string of shootings, uh, Buffalo, Uvalde, and Highland. Clearly, there's an epidemic of gun violence. Clearly, that this is increasing. Clearly, it is young, mostly white men that are doing this. And what has the federal government done? Under the Biden administration, we have the largest federal effort of uh, gun violence prevention measures in decades. Part, I think it's the Bipartisan Protecting Our Communities Act, something like that. And it basically has $750 million worth of incentivizing states to implement red flag laws, which basically says if someone poses a threat, family members and friends can go to a court and have the court temporarily take their guns away. Florida instituted these laws after the Parkland shooting. We got mental health investments. We got school security funds. There's also closing of the boyfriend loophole that allows unmarried people who are found guilty of violence against their partner to keep their guns. So this bill will allow law enforcement and courts to take away their guns, just like with red flag laws. There's also increased background checks for those under 21. And so what we have here is that 15 Republican senators and 14 Republican congressmen voted for this, which is an accomplishment considering where we are right now. Let me just say this. Many are rightfully not happy that there's no raising the age to buy assault weapons, no assault weapons bans, no universal background checks, or even a licensing system, which would have been my preferred uh, priority for, for a bill like this. But everyone from Fred Gunnenberg to Chris Murphy, who helped to negotiate this bill, are still supporting it. Because since Sandy Hook, there has been literally next to nothing in federal action from Congress on this crisis. And as, and as we saw from Highland Park, many of these small potatoes of policies that are still very good aren't enough. So I just want to get that out of the way. Joshua, what, what, what do you think? Um, you're certainly right. The conditions in the bill, while they're definitely a step in the right direction, they're far from adequate. And I just want to say that if you look at America's rates of gun violence, they look especially terrible compared to other countries. So another recent story was the assassination of uh, former Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe. And while looking at those gun death statistics for Japan, you can see that it's in single digits for entire whole years. And while, you know, you can't really compare Japan and the U.S. completely because the culture in the U.S. is different. The U.S. has always valued civilian firearm possession and therefore allows civilians to own them, whereas in Japan, it's very heavily restricted. And those who own them in Japan is only usually for hunting. Gun laws have not really been updated in the United States for many years. And a big reason behind that, we must not forget, is the National Rifle Association. And they're very well funded and they have a very strong presence in Congress because what they do is they provide money to political candidates and members of Congress in exchange for, you know, partisan gridlock that prevents any gun reform from occurring. Well, even though they so, are imploding, they're, they're, well, they are imploding because of investigations, because of Russian meddling, because of all sorts of financial mismanagement. They're but even then, you're right, their influence, their influence is definitely still felt. That's true. Even then, felt. they're very strong, despite all the controversy. And I will say, though, that, you know, bipartisan gun reform is a near impossibility, and I'm very happy that it was able to get that to an extent. But, you know, it, you know, but it's quite it's quite horrific to know that this bipartisanship gun reform only occurred 
after a string of horrific shootings, including those that involve children like in Uvalde. So it, I think it really says a lot about, you know, the United States and Congress's ability to do anything on gun violence when it takes a string of violence to actually get them to act. Well, here's the thing. Even then, there's right-wing media and the court and the right-wing influence on the courts that is trying to stall this progress as much as possible under, th- under this, you know, uh, uh, fanaticism for the Second Amendment. Because no rational, no real person on, on the left, Democratic Party, or anyone for this bill, or anyone for you know going farther than this bill, no serious person is actually debate is actually saying, yeah, let's repeal the Second Amendment. Let's take all. Let's do an automatic buyback, like in Australia. When Beto O'Rourke said it, like no, that that's not happening. He's he's not actually going to try to do this, Texas governor. You know, in like the two percent chance he even gets to office. So I bring this up because even now, Fox News, Ben Shapiro. Clarence Thomas and Neil Gorsuch and Alito, they're still pulling out the same string of attacks, the same string of um, you know partisan and political attacks on this uh, on this progress. Democrats are still trying to take your guns on like buyback. You know this should be about mental health and school security, not prevention but mitigation. And look at look at the Supreme Court what they just did. They said to New York, you have. Uh, you have a gun. You have a system of interviews for very concealed carry laws that allows people to carry guns in public streets. They said the court said that this was unconstitutional. That you know, there's a whole thing going back to originalist interpretation of the founding fathers and the Second Amendment. Now they didn't ban it, mind you, but it severely weakened it, and it allows states with more restricted, even more you know, gun license systems as a whole, like. Well, what we have in Massachusetts, one of, the, one of the lowest rates of gun violence in the country, because of that licensing system, it opens it opens those systems up to a lot more challenges from conservative, not even conservative, fanatic fanatics, to gun gun nuts and fanatics that want to you know bring us back to 1850s in the Wild West. The yeah. backlash is insane. This is not a normal. I know this is a cliche. It's not normal. It's not rational. It's not. It's, it's not, it's not normal. Ideology. It shouldn't it's... be the case. It, 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 and, you know, it definitely shouldn't be the case. But I think a large portion of Americans would agree on this on common sense gun reform, much against what's actually happening, like you mentioned, the Supreme Court. The problem is messaging. It's partisan messaging, because as you mentioned, what right what right-wing media does is it uses the slippery slope argument to say that, okay, once Democrats institute these, you know, basic common sense gun measures then they'll, you know, use that to eventually build upon taking all your firearms away. And people are very convinced that by that because the U.S. has always had a culture of civilian firearm possession. And then there's obviously that whole tyrannical government argument that has been the staple against any form of gun regulation. And admittedly, it's not very well thought out because the U.S. government has the most powerful military in the world. And even though the civilian population is you know, could be fairly armed with AR-15s and such, it doesn't really stand a chance. So I think messaging, partisan messaging is a big factor in why there's so much backlash against any gun reform to ensure that, you know, there's less violence in schools and streets. And, and right, goes back to the entire ecosystem of fight for freedom, you know, MAGA. But let, you know, we'll look at what happened in Buffalo. Those shootings run because of racist and anti-Semitic ideology of the Great Replacement Theory. That messaging, that, you know, that mainstream messaging of, you know, they're going to take your guns away, 
that ties into this, you know, mutated form of anti-Semitic racist rhetoric of great replacement kind of Tucker Carlson's been pushing. You know, it's, it, it's a circular feedback loop here that you have these people, the mostly young men, mostly white men, mostly Christian men who are, you know, taken by this rat, this very apocalyptic view of society that is fueled by these, you know, grifters in the media and says, yeah, I'm going to take my gun and I'm going to all the, I'm going to kill Jews who are perpetrating the great replacement of whites. I'm going to kill the, the black and brown people who are being, who I'm being replaced with. We shouldn't be identifying the shooters. We shouldn't be giving them prestige or some kind or any sort of like, uh, you know, special treatment because that's what they want with this. They want to be the person to you know fight back against the globalist agenda, just like with Pittsburgh, you know, the shooter posted, you know, screw your optics highest I'm going in in reference to the refugee resettlement. You know, it's important to also attack this not only from the gun angle, from the actual, let's stop these people who clearly are dangerous themselves, dangerous to society from having guns. And also from the perspective of we need to have a counter-programming to the, to the mass indoctrination of this garbage heap of, you know, insanity that is driving a good portion of the country to be okay with stuff like this, or at least turn a blind eye to stuff like this. But I think then you also get into the issue of free speech and what allows, you know, those on right-wing media who push these theories to actually say what they want to say on national television. So you're also invoking, you know, that the whole concept of free speech, which opens up another can of worms entirely. But you are right that I think, I, and I definitely agree that free speech is definitely linked to that gun problem. You, like you mentioned, a lot of these shooters, they are indoctrinated by racial theories, by those that they probably learned online. So it's difficult, I think, to control public discourse when you have such dangerous theories propagating online, which are actually, you know, costing people lives. Right, right. I'm not, I'm not calling for any, I'm not calling for like a mass government sponsored disinformation board. I'm not calling for anything like that. I'm just saying something like advertiser boycotts, trying to, trying to cut the, trying to, you know, demand cable packages, you know, not include Fox News, because that's where a lot of the dollars come from. Trying to convince family members and friends that, no, we are not having a global pedophile ring and George Soros is not funding a mass immigration to America in a caravan. No, it has to be from regular people who say enough of this insanity. We have to, fi- we have to fight back in, the way in, in how liberal democracies should act by convincing others and voting out people who push this kind of nonsense. I agree. It just, it's so difficult to do when, uh, when it's very ingrained in our society in public discourse and the such. And, you know, I mean, since it's founding, I mean, and there's a lot of historical reasons, you know, for this that I won't get into now. The U.S. has always been a big proponent of civilian firearm possession. This dates back to the colonial period, actually, when it was a colony of Great Britain. And so I'm not saying that civilian possession of firearms is wrong in the United States and the Second Amendment should be abolished. But I am saying that a lack of regulation has made this idea that, you know, this idea of civilian firearm possession very dangerous. I mean, even then, though, one of the interpretations of that amendment was that it was notes of people in the military coming home, coming back to their homes and storing weapons in case they were called up for a draft because the states had their own militias back then, had a big, had, there was, that was the main of the army. In Switzerland, they have a very similar system. Guns are only there for people in the military, and most, a lot of the population goes to the military in Switzerland. 
and they only and their guns are very secure. You're supposed to secure them. You're supposed to have training. Not only that, you know, but you know they keep their ammunition at the warehouse. They don't bring it home with them. Right, right. We wouldn't be able to do that, but we would have. But something like that, having a culture of mostly military, mostly you know people who actually need to have guns in some capacity. Even even can even Canada, with the they have a strict licensing system that 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 actually takes a lot from. You know, something like that could also be in play, where it should be very should for gun ownership. You know, we should we should be able to say, no, we should not have anyone walking in, passing a simple background check in a broken system and buying a gun. That you know, or the gun show will pull. We're going to gun gun show and buying a gun. That, that that should not happen. All the common sense solutions should be on the table, and we should be able to talk about this, and we should be able to have a conversation. That does not include statements about you know illegal immigrants coming over the border in an invasion. They should stop a tyrannical government. That's instituting uh, mass replacement, which is just not true. That that's what I'm saying. And that concludes this episode of Gen Zers Talk Politics. Be sure to join our Discord server, follow us on Instagram at Gen Zers Talk Politics, and on Twitter at Gen Zers Talk Poly with an I, and add our email us to ask your burning questions. Thanks for joining us, and we hope to see you next time.